MSW Media. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Friday, February 17th, 2023. Today, Judge McBurney releases parts of the Fulton County Special Purpose Grand Jury Report. Special Counsel Jack Smith subpoenas former White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows. The Proud Boys on trial for seditious conspiracy reveal their plan to subpoena Donald Trump. Former Trump National Security Advisor Robert O'Brien is spotted at the Special Counsel Grand Jury. Carrie Lake has lost her appeal to the Arizona Court of Appeals. John Fetterman has checked himself into a clinic to deal with his depression. Michael Cohen meets with the Manhattan DA's office again. New court documents show Fox News anchors, including Tucker Carlson, knew that Trump's election fraud claims were bullshit. And an appeals court has ruled that parts of a grand jury oral argument related to Rep. Scott Perry could be released next week. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Holy majoli, that's a lot. Too bad we don't have any news to talk about today. That's a shame. Yeah, I know. What do you want to talk about instead? I don't know. Hmm. Maybe Michael uh, Cohen. We could talk about Michael Cohen. Uh, I just watched him on Nicole Wallace. First of all, Robert O'Brien was spotted at Prettyman. That's where the grand juries meet. That's the courthouse in D.C. We know he had been subpoenaed. We talked about that yesterday or the day before. Uh, Michael Cohen, like you said, met with the Manhattan District Attorney today. This is his second meeting with the DA. I mean, his 16th overall, but his second more recently. And he'll do so again next week. And he told Nicole Wallace today that it wasn't just Trump that the DA was investigating. They tried to push him on that. And he's like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have said that. I don't take it back, but I can't talk about it. And the D.C. Appellate Court has ruled that it will consider releasing part of the Rep. Scott Perry grand jury arguments after the hearing that they're going to have on 2-23, February 23rd next week, to, you know, decide whether or not he should have to, you know, hand over the shit that's in his phone pursuant to a, a second search warrant issued by the Department of Justice. And part of that hearing will be public. Part of it will be behind closed doors. Um, be following us on Twitter at Mueller, she wrote, for those live tweets. And John Fetterman has checked himself into a clinic to deal with his chronic depression. And I applaud as do I his bravery and, and awesomeness. Um, thank you for doing that. And all my love and support goes out to him and his whole family, everybody that knows him and the people that he represents. Just absolutely brilliant, brave move on his part. Uh, I agree. That's what we call modeling incredible behavior. And Carrie Lake has lost again. Oh, boy as the Arizona Appellate Court has rejected her appeal and affirmed Katie Hobbs' election as governor again. So I guess you just don't get tired of losing. Speaking of, <laughs> I know when you're about to hit the hot notes, we've got our first story about someone losing again mm-hmm. in Georgia. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's super great. Why don't we So do much that? winning. I know, I know. Really, I mean, if you look at all of the incredible news, it's so much different and better than it was in like 2019, 2018. So I'm very happy about all this. <laughs> Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right, first up from Holly Bailey at the Washington Post. An Atlanta area special grand jury investigating the efforts by the former guy and his allies to overturn the election loss in 2020 in Georgia concluded 
that some witnesses may have lied under oath during their testimony and recommended that charges be filed against them for lying under oath. But those witnesses were not named in the five-page excerpt of the grand jury report made public Thursday. Quote, a majority of the grand jury believes that perjury may have been committed by one or more witnesses testifying before it. That's what the report reads. It goes on to say the grand jury recommends that the district attorney seek appropriate indictments for such crimes where the evidence is compelling. I'm compelled. Are you compelled? I am indeed. The unsealed document released Thursday offered no major clues about the grand jury's other findings, although the panel pointedly noted that it unanimously agreed that Georgia's 2020 presidential vote had not been marred by widespread fraud, contrary to what Trump and many of his allies have claimed. The grand jury heard extensive testimony on the subject of alleged election fraud from poll workers, investigators, technical experts, and state of Georgia employees and officials, as well as from persons still claiming that such fraud took place. We find by a unanimous vote that no widespread fraud took place in the Georgia 2020 presidential election that could result in overturning that election, unquote. The five pages unsealed Thursday suggested that the grand jury's full final report may just be nine pages long. It included an addendum apparently signed by the jury's foreman and deputy foreman, their signatures redacted, noting that the panel had voted to make its findings public, but was not recommending a manner or time for such publication. So when we had that hearing and all the news outlets were like, well, you know, by 15, I think it's uh, 15, 1280 or something like that. One of the 12, 15, 80, one of these Georgia laws. It says if the jury, if the grand jury, special purpose grand jury votes and recommends to release the report to the public, the judge shall do that. But they all sort of left out the part where the, the grand jury says, yeah, we want to vote to release this in a manner of time for such publication. Right. They, you know, so that was there. And I think that was a little bit of news. I think it's also interesting. It's only nine pages long. I thought that was weird. And I then I remembered, I was like, well, what do I even know? How do I even know what to compare this to? I remember Judge McBurney cited another special purpose grand jury report in his ruling that had been made public because the people who were targeted in that investigation got enough due process in that special purpose grand jury to make it public. And that, you know, that was the concern. That's why Fonnie Willis and and Judge McBurney didn't want to release it is because if you say people committed a crime and you don't charge them with a crime, they can't face their accusers and that strips them of their due process rights. So I remembered that he cited another case, another report that had been made public. It was Vernon Jones from DeKalb County about a decade ago. So I looked up that grand jury report, Dana, and it was 80 pages long. Oh, wow. So why is this one so short? And then I went back and reread the ruling from McBurney, and the brevity might have something to do with the way he described the report. He said, quote, having reviewed the final report, I conclude that the special purpose grand jury did not exceed the scope of its prescribed mission. A dun 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 Indeed. It provided the DA with exactly what she requested, a roster of who should or should not be indicted and for what, end quote. So that says to me, this is a nine page list of all the people who will and won't be indicted. And for those who will be indicted, what crimes they'll be indicted for. Of course, we had about four pages released. So about half of it is just this fucking list of indictments and not indictments. And so I think that's going to be very interesting. I don't think this report will come out in full until discovery. I, you know, I, mm-hmm. she doesn't want to do this in the media, try this in, in the media. And so I think it will come out in discovery. But of course, Donald Trump took to Truth Social and concluded that this report fully exonerates me, fully exonerates Mr. Trump because he didn't see his name. 
no one's name was in this report. Yeah. <laughs> uh, big Mueller report vibes right there, right? Like totally exonerated, no yeah. collusion. Yeah, that's exactly what this sounds like to me. But hey, we'll see what happens. All right. Now, going to another case, according to messages shown during the Proud Boys seditious conspiracy trial today, a police officer frequently provided Proud Boys leader Enrique Tario with internal information about law enforcement operations in the weeks before other members of his far-right extremist group stormed the U.S. Capitol. A federal prosecutor showed jurors a string of messages that Metropolitan Police Lieutenant Shane Lamond and Tario, they privately exchanged those in a run-up to a mob's attack on January 6th at that Capitol. Now, Lamont, an intelligence officer for the city's police department, was responsible for monitoring groups like the Proud Boys when they came to Washington for protests. Well, less than three weeks before the January 6th riot, Lamont warned Tario that the FBI and Secret Service were, quote, all spun up over talk on an InfoWars internet show that the Proud Boys planned to dress up as supporters for President Joe Biden on the Democrats' inauguration day. Now, Justice Department prosecutor Connor Mulrow, he asked a government witness, FBI Special Agent Peter Dubrowski, how common it is for law enforcement to disclose internal information in that fashion. And Dubrowski said, I've never heard of it. In a message to Tario on December 25th, 2020, Lamont said Metropolitan Police Department investigators had asked him to identify Tario from a photograph. He warned Tario that police may be seeking a warrant for his arrest. Later on the day of the arrest, Tario posted a message to other Proud Boys leaders that said the warrant was just signed. In a related story from Politico, leaders of the far-right Proud Boys say they intend to subpoena former President Donald Trump to testify in an ongoing trial pertaining to the group's alleged conspiracy to forcibly derail the transfer of power from Trump to Biden. Prosecutors have underscored the group's repeated responses to Trump's public statements from a September 2020 debate stage, uh, if you call this an exhortation, to the group to, quote, stand back and stand by. And that goes all the way to his December 19, 2020 tweet urging supporters to attend his January 6th rally. Quote, be there, will be wild, he wrote. Now, the prospect of Trump appearing as a witness, that stands, nah, that's going to be remote. That uh, It's not going to happen. But until Thursday, the intention of the defendants is to call the former president and it, they didn't know they were going to do it. And they decided that they might. It's still uncertain. Yeah. And I don't think the judge is going to allow that. No. But, you know, hey, they put it in. So we'll see what happens. All right. Next up. And I broke this briefly on the beans yesterday from Strom and a house at Bloomberg. Mark Meadows, former chief of staff to the former guy, has been subpoenaed to testify before the grand jury investigating efforts to overturn the 2020 election results. That's according to a person familiar. Meadows was subpoenaed as part of an investigation being led by Jack Smith. He would become the highest ranking official who worked for Trump to go before the grand jury. And that's according to the person who asked to remain anonymous. The subpoena was reported earlier by CNN. Investigators have also subpoenaed Mike Pence, as we know, to testify before the grand jury. Pence, whom Trump pressured to reject electoral college votes from swing states, has pledged to challenge the subpoena all the way to the Supreme Court if necessary. And recently in an op-ed today, we, we learned that Judge Ludig, who was the, you know, the, the very deliberately spoken judge who testified at the January 6th committee and is a longtime friend of Mike Pence, has said that this bid to use the speech shield himself with the speech or debate clause isn't going to work. Now, Meadows was involved in the infamous hour-long call on January 2nd to Raffensperger to find 11,780 non-existent votes. 
That call has led to scrutiny over whether language used by Trump about repercussions if his demands weren't carried out constituted potentially illegal threats. There was also testimony to the House January 6th Committee of Meadows making a surprise appearance at a civic center in Marietta, Georgia, where an audit was being conducted on absentee ballots. And more generally, there's been testimony of Meadows' knowledge of plans regarding alternate presidential elector slates from some states, including Georgia. Meadows himself ultimately refused to sit for an interview by the committee, which was investigating the January 6th insurrection. However, he did provide some documents and communications to the panel. The committee and the entire House voted to hold him in contempt of Congress for his refusal to fully comply with the subpoena, but the DOJ declined to prosecute. Now, I'm not sure why this uh, subpoena is just about the January 6th stuff, when Meadows had pretty much everything to do with Trump's attempt to declassify the Russia papers the day before he left office. So I'm, I'm surprised this doesn't include the documents case, too, unless it does, and that's just not been confirmed or reported out. And I'll go over why I think it took so long for this subpoena on the next episode of the Jack Podcast this Sunday with Andy McCabe. Awesome. Thank you so much, A.G. And this is from Olivia Rubin at ABC. Fox News anchors and producers privately acknowledge that former President Donald Trump and his allies' allegations of election fraud in the aftermath of 2020 election, they were false, despite their network's promotion of those claims. That's according to a new court filing by Dominion Voting Systems. This is the other lawsuit. Now, in a nearly 200-page document filed as part of its billion-dollar defamation suit against the network, Dominion Voting Systems shared emails, texts, testimony, and other private communications from Fox News personnel that cast doubt on claims that Dominion's voting machines had somehow rigged the presidential election into Joe Biden's favor. Well, the voting company is suing Fox News for that $1.6 billion for allegedly defaming the company in an aftermath of the 2020 election. And this is a quote, Fox knew, according to the filing, which cited excerpts of evidence gathered as part of the suit, and went on to say, from the top down, Fox knew the Dominion stuff was total BS. Yet despite knowing the truth, or at minimum recklessly disregarding that truth, Fox spread and endorsed these, quote, outlandish voter fraud claims about Dominion, even as it internally recognized the lies as crazy, absurd, and shockingly reckless. (laughs) I know, this is good stuff. Fox News in a statement said, there'll be a lot of noise and confusion generated by Dominion and their opportunistic private equity owners, but the core of this case remains about freedom of the press and freedom of speech, which are fundamental rights afforded by the Constitution and protected by New York Times versus Sullivan. End quote. Right. Thursday's filing lays out the Dominion Company's top evidence against Fox News, which Dominion claims pushed false accusations that the voting company had rigged the 2020 election in order for the news channel to boost his ratings and make a profit off of it. Now, the filing contains material Dominion has obtained via discovery from Fox News over the past few months, and that includes text messages, internal emails, and depositions. Among the Fox News hosts, and this won't shock anyone, (laughs) were Sean Hannity, Tucker Carlson, Janine Pirro, as well as former Fox business host Lou Dobbs. And last quote in this story, the critical issue here is the state of mind of Fox and those individual people. That's from Floyd Abrams, one of the country's leading experts on First Amendment law. That's what he told ABC News last summer, and he ended with, what did they say about Dominion, and did they believe it? That's what they're going to have to prove. Yeah, and this, I really encourage you to maybe follow Klasfeld Reports on Twitter, read some of these. Some of the quotes, Laura Ingram's producer said, this Dominion shit is going to give me a fucking aneurysm. That's one of the quotes. <laughs> Rupert Murdoch said when he saw Giuliani's November 2020 press conference, he said, this is really crazy stuff. 
Jay Wallace, the president of Fox News, the North Koreans do a more nuanced show than Lou Dobbs. That's just some of the scathing quotes in this lawsuit. It's absolutely it's incredible. So you can go check out this lawsuit. There's copies of it. And and, and Adam Klasfeld is doing a really great job picking it apart and, and revealing some of these quotes. And all right, Dana, we have late breaking news from Berrigan at the Associated Press. Justice Department officials in D.C. are taking over the corruption investigation into Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton after the U.S. Attorney's Office in San Antonio was recused from the probe. Prosecutors with the U.S. Attorney's Office had led that investigation since October 2020, and those were allegations of whether Paxton had abused his office. The Washington-based investigators will now look into allegations made by Paxton's former top deputies that the Attorney General took bribes to benefit a political donor who also employed a woman with whom Paxton was alleged to have an extramarital affair. The latest news was made public less than one week after Paxton agreed to apologize and pay a $3.3 million taxpayer, you know, here's your money back, settlement to a whistleblower lawsuit with four of the employees who accused him of the crimes. The settlement still needs court and legislative approval, by the way. State prosecutors Brian Weiss and Kent Schaefer, who are handling a separate securities fraud case against Paxton, a whole different investigation, said in a statement that they were notified Thursday that the U.S. Attorney's Office for the Western District of Texas had been recused from the case by the Justice Department. The probe will now be handled by the DOJ's PIN, the Public Integrity Section, that's where Jack Smith comes from, which prosecutes allegations of misconduct against elected officials. Weiss and Schaefer referred all other questions to the DOJ. Now, the Associated Press said the move was prompted by Paxton's defense lawyers. One of Paxton's attorneys, Dan Cogdell, told the Associated Press he wanted the case out of the hands of prosecutors from the Western District because they had, quote, an obvious conflict, unquote, but that he had not been notified of the move. Cogdell did not immediately respond to requests for comment from the Texas Tribune and Ken Paxton's lawyers. Be careful what you wish for. Indeed. The announcement is the first public indication since Paxton's decision to settle the whistleblower lawsuit that the investigation continues. It's unclear whether Paxton will face charges. He's denied wrongdoing. As we know, in October 2020, eight former top deputies accused him of bribery and abuse, uh, abuse of office, I should say. They claimed he had done political favors for real estate developer Nate Paul, a friend and donor who contributed 25 grand to Paxton's 2018 campaign. All eight of those employees were either fired or resigned. So guess it's going to D.C. Guess it is. There's like there's a Beverly Hillbillies song in there somewhere, right? We loaded up the truck and we went to D.C. Like it's in there somewhere. (laughs) It's got to be. I bet someone listening can write it for us for sure. The Beltway Hillbillies. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, send those lyrics in to our good news by going to dailybeanspod.com and clicking on contact. We'll be back with that good news right after this break. Stick around. After these messages, we'll be right back. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Who likes good news, everyone? Then good news, everyone. Good news, good news. And if you have any good news, confessions, corrections, you want to send us lyrics to the Beltway Hillbilly song I just decided to make up right now, if you want to shout out to somebody you love, an adoptable pet in your area, you want to play What the Mutt with us, we got 100% last time. 100%. And then we got a 5 out of 7, and then we had a 3 out of 2 out of 3. We're doing better. We're getting better after 17 years of guessing dog breeds. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm just starting to recognize and all the dogs are starting to look the same. 
<laughs> Please send anything you have into us at the good news by going to dailybeanspod.com and clicking on contact. First up from Dee Dee, pronouns she and her. Hello, beanies. As a lifelong They Might Be Giants fan, I had to sing along when AG broke into mammal this morning and share this confession from my youth. Oh. In high school, during the heyday of Flood and Apollo 18, we'd very often burst into They Might Be Giants songs while walking between classes. Me too, Dee Dee. Me too. We'd amuse ourselves by subbing the name of a certain Queen Bee cheerleader who ranked well above us, our art band nerds, in so many of the songs. Shout out to the two Johns for so many catchy tunes. Thanks for starting my days with high energy intellect and copious swearing that you provide. Dee Dee, I love that you're a They Might Be Giants fan, and we used to do this too. And right now, I'm sure you heard the commercial on the beans, They Might Be Giants, is touring for the anniversary of the album Flood. They're playing the whole album. I'm going to be seeing them in April. I hope you get a chance to see them too. If you never have, go. It's going to be one of the best concerts you've ever been to. I promise. Awesome. All right. This is from Shaney, pronouns she and her. Thank you for making my day brighter. I appreciate you both. Hmm. I'm writing to toot my own horn. Five years ago, I left a shitty work environment and started my own business. Shade Maker Studio. We're a small 100% woman-powered landscape architecture firm in Austin, Texas. As a small business owner, I get to create a healthy working environment and support the things that are important to me. Last year, we switched to a four-day work week, 32 hours of work for 40 hours of pay. Nice. That was to improve our live-work balance. And we also added Juneteenth and Election Day as paid holidays. Fuck yeah, Shaney. Love it. Shademaker Studio also started a native plant initiative called the Hedge Pledge (laughs) to increase habitat for urban wildlife, improve soil health, and mitigate tree canopy loss. If clients take our pledge, they commit to planting a mixture of native shrubs and trees instead of building fences. In return, we offer a discount on our plant design services. I think it's a great program, and I would love more people to focus on designing for all animals. It may be one yard at a time, but it all adds up just like votes. Anyway, for my pet tax, I submit Yo-Yo and her stepdaughter, Lizzo. (laughs) Yo-Yo is the sweetest kitty with the cutest toe beans and a mocha mustache. Lizzo is an Austin Pets Alive and APA rescue. She was found pregnant on the streets of Port Lavaca, Texas. Lavaca? I bet it's Lavaca. Port Port Lavaca. Yeah. Mm. And some sweet soul brought her to APA. Her adorable six pups were all adopted, and then Yoko and I took Lizzo in. She is smart, gentle, and perfect what the mutt mix of seven breeds with a dash of super mutt. I can't wait to hear your guesses. Last image is Lizzo's DNA. Okay, so we don't look at the last image. No. But uh, this is so cool, the hedge pledge. I love it. Oh, my God. Okay, so... Kitty's adorable. I love the nose and and the stash. There's (gasps) definitely a red healer. I don't know if that's something called something else, the cattle dog. Oh, my goodness. Look at those socks that that this dog is wearing. I think there's Beagle in that dog. All right, so you think Beagle, some sort of hound, like a cattle dog, like a... Maybe like a, a healer, like a like red healer with that, with those legs. Yeah. Maybe a Vishla. I think there's some pit bull in there. You think by Pibby? the body? Uh-huh. By the body. Any lab in there? Maybe what's some that, lab. What's that and that tail. tail. What is that tail? A husky? A husky tail. Yeah. Husky tail. Lab. And, you know, chow chow. All right. Let's All right. see what we got. We've got. Chow chow. Chow chow. Pit bull. Pit bull. Lab. Beagle. And then retriever. we missed the rest. But, That's dude, <laughs> we got four. We did. We missed Golden Retriever, Doberman Pinscher, and Cocker Spaniel. So. And we got the top four. So that means they show up more than the other breeds in that the way was, the dog looks. That acting. was funny. We're all, chow, chow, pit bull, Labrador, 
Beagle. Dude, that was fucking brilliant. We got 24, 44, 54, 64% of that dog right. I'll take it. <laughs> That's an F still. But hey, I'm going to yeah. take it every time. That would be a D. It's a D. 64 oh. is a D. Oh, sorry. I went to a school where it was an F. <laughs> <laughs> My privilege is showing. Okay. Next up from Vic, pronoun she and her. Hey there, AGDG and the entire Daily Beans pod crew and supporting guests. <laughs> I think I also just fought way too hard for my D, but go ahead. <laughs> AG, that's a D. I went to public school in Albuquerque. I need all the help we can get. You gotta, you gotta. Okay. Vic says, I'm writing to tell you about a small thing that I did that brings me a little bit of joy every day and I thought it would make you laugh. I'm one of those people that likes to have a fun ringtone on my phone. I also have fun text tones and certain ringtones programmed for certain people so that I know if it's someone specific calling when it rings. The other day, I decided I'd grown tired of the ringtone I've had for a while now, so I started to peruse the ringtone section of the iTunes library for a new one. I came across Dr. Dre's song, Still Dre, and it made me laugh. I downloaded it, set it as my default tone, and every single time it rings, I now snicker to myself because of Marjorie Taylor Greene then that cease and desist letter she got. <laughs> and all I had to do was download it and enjoy it till my heart's content. It really is the little things in life. For, in case you're wondering, Marjorie Taylor Greene used Still Dre in yep. an ad, Still D-R-E. And Dre was like, go fuck yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, fuck you. Yeah. It was a great letter. For pet tax, I'm including pics of my pups. You've met them before. But who doesn't love a cute puppy picture? The white husky mix is Adora, the pup that we named after She-Ra. That's right. And wrote in to tell you about. Uh, she's uh, That's Amy Carrero voiced on, on She-Ra. Yes. She's almost three now. Lives up to her namesake every day. Oh, my God. Three? Where is time? Okay. We're not going to talk about time. The blue pity is Oakley. She's seven and Adora keeps her on her toes. This is the pick of them in their Halloween costumes. Adora was a taco and Oakley was a hot sauce packet that says too good not to be chewed on. This is very true of the two of them because Adora is constantly chewing on Oakley's giant bowling ball-sized head. They are my sweet babies, and I hope they bring you a smile to brighten your day. Look, so cute. Oh, my goodness. The baby. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my last one. I know. Oh, what sweet honeys. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Love it. Love it, love it. All right, this is from Scarecrow. Pronouns he, him. Hello, Beans team. AG was the source of a tiny bit of embarrassment today. I serve as firefighting equipment. Made up a title for myself. It's called Firefighting Breathing Air Technician, or Firebat, and was working on a customer's air compressor. I wear headphones because of the noise, so I play podcasts all day. AG started singing about the heart, so here I am, quietly and badly singing. Their names are called... Their names are called, there is a paw, the bat, the cat, dolphin and dog, koala bear and hog. Yeah. When I I hear, you okay, bud? (laughs) I turn to see Lieutenant, redacted name, with a grin on his face. I pointed to my headphones and said, podcast. Lieutenant said, oh, okay. And he wandered off. I hummed through the rest of Mammal. It brightened a dreary day. Pet tax. Here's blind Helen sitting. (laughs) Sorry. Sitting in my lap enjoying the winter sun while I read Tyrannosaurus Dad by Liz Rosenberg. During a convoluted Facebook thread, I somehow ended up talking to Lee Bennett Hopkins, winning author Liz Rosenberg, about reading this book, My Blind Chicken, and how I should read it to her. It was a sweet and lighthearted moment during a grim and stressful time, and I was happy to oblige. I think Helen liked the book, too. Thank you for all you do, and keep up the great work. It's been a rough month, 
but we got to just keep swimming. The fox, the ox, giraffe, and shrew, echidna, caribou. Oh, I'm this so is glad super cute. To a chicken. That chicken really is into this book. I love yeah. it. First of all, I love chickens. You know how I feel about chickens. Okay, so chicken, firefighter, firebat. I want to know more, Scarecrow. I want to know more. And, you know, they might be Giants fan. Not too many people. I didn't think there'd be a lot of people who knew Mammal, you know? I mean, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's kind of an out there song. <laughs> they raise a paw. Okay. Next up from Brenda B, pronoun she and her. Hi from Brisbane, Australia. AGDG, the OG. I want to speak to your comment about your Valentine's Day comments, heart-shaped jewelry and such. It reminded me several years ago with my toddler, Demi, who is the most loving sweetheart ever. I was just finishing up a lullaby whilst she cuddled up on my lap and she said, Mommy, I can hear your heart beating. Me, seizing the teachable moment, responded, That's right, sweetie. And do you know what your heart does? And she said, It loves. Oh, my God. In one breath, she reminded me we should all embrace our inner child's simplicity and joy. Yes, please. Thank you both for driving me to work every day. I'm a loyal listener from your kitchen days. I deleted my Twitter account several weeks ago for obvious reasons, and I do feel a terrible gap in how informed I feel each day, although my quality of life has improved immensely. I have to tell you, Brenda, since I blocked Elon, Twitter is beautiful. It's incredible. I actually, I said that on Stephanie this morning, that you blocked Elon and your experience has just been so much better. It's, I mean, it's not perfect. Don't get me wrong. There's still a bunch of right-wing nut jobs out there, but they kind of always have been there. Deborah goes on to say, I now appreciate you more than ever for giving me just enough of the relevant news to keep me afloat. You're welcome. And that's, do you know, do you know what your heart does? I know. (sighs) Ugh. It loves, A.G., it loves. With the red blood cells lacking nuclei, it loves. (laughs) Thank you, everybody, for these wonderful, wonderful good news submissions to close out our week. Please keep sending them. Yeah, this is a good one. Yeah, keep sending them in. I believe, let me check my calendar, let me check, let me check, let me check. Yes, there is a happy hour this afternoon at 4 p.m. Pacific. 7 Eastern Time. That is for patrons of the Daily Beans. I will be there. You can ask me anything, you know, within reason. And uh, that should be fun. We do those every two weeks for patrons. And then all, you know, you get the, this this show ad-free too. And $5 patrons, you get this and Jack ad-free. That's amazing. And Jack will be out Sunday. I'll be putting out a Beans raw and unedited, unscripted weekly wrap-up this weekend. And I'll also be doing a cleanup on aisle 45 like uh, one of those bonus episodes for patrons of of that show. And Pete Strzok will be the new host starting on Wednesday, the 22nd. Dana, are you going to be with us on Monday? I am not. And that's what I was going to say. My final thoughts for today is that my bad news is I am going on a cruise for work. And that actually is a floating petri dish right now. It'll be a lot of fun, but I'm going to be gone. And I'll be back on your ears on the 28th. So I'm going to be out for a chunk. But I know AG is going to hold down the fort. And the good news is... Announcing it here first, Beans listeners, tickets are not on sale yet, but I'm returning to Albuquerque for a solo show on May 20th at the South Broadway Cultural Center. Tickets are not on sale yet, but when they do go on sale, I'll be sure to let you know. It's not a big venue. It's only about 300 seats. So I'll make sure that the podcast listeners know. So if you're anywhere in driving distance of Albuquerque, I would love to see you. Uh, So I'll let you know when those go on sale, May 20th. Sarah, going to be like a VIP meet and greet sitch? There is. There's going to be VIP tickets available for meet and greet sitch and, you know, uh, seats in the first few rows. 
and we'll make sure that that you know about those as well. So yeah, Dana Goldberg back in Berkey. <laughs> Berkey? Is that what? Yeah, that that's what they call Albuquerque. Yep. If you're from there, they call it Berkey. <laughs> the five hundred five. Not like sweet. San Francisco. Don't call that Frisco, but you can call it no. Albuquerque Berkey. Yeah, I know. That's just the city. It's the mm-hmm. city. Yes. Um, you will get a lot of hisses if you call it Frisco or San oh. Fran. Do not. Oh yeah. All right. Well, thank you. That's so cool. I'm so glad you're doing a solo show in your old stomping ground. That is so fucking yeah, cool. Yeah, me too. Be, I'm stoked about it. That's going to be awesome and amazing. May 20th. Okay. We will look for those tickets when they go on sale. And uh, yeah, I will be holding down the fort uh, for the next little while. We've got some cool guest hosts like uh, Frangela, for example. Oh, yeah. You guys. Mm-hmm. Oh, if you all don't know Frangela, you're going to fall in love. They're amazing. Mm-hmm. They super are. And there's going to be other guest hosts, too. So I'm really I'm looking forward to that. I'm going to miss you, my friend. You're going to be I'll gone miss for you a too. long stretch. And the show will also be dark the week of March 6th because we are all all of the uh, Beans crew is uh, taking a vacation a well-needed, well-earned vacation. So thank you. Thank you so much for, you know, understanding that, you know, sometimes we got to take a break. We appreciate that. That means all the indictments are going to happen that week. So who? Uh, do I have anything else? Do we have anything else? I think we've covered it all today, my friend. It's good. It's the so. weekend. Let's get out of here. Have a martini or a mocktail. Let's do it. Sound all good? Right. See you guys at the happy hour at 4 p.m. Pacific. And we will. I'll be back in your ears Monday morning. Until then, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Take care of your mental health. Vote blue over Q. And take someone with you. I've been AG. And I've been DG. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. And the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com. MSW Media. <laughs>